The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. In the country of Chile, a small Bavarian village hides dark secrets. And can you use technology to prove the existence of ghosts today on Dead Rabbit Radio? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. It's October 2nd. We're moving along with spooky October month. And, you know, I got a little heated during yesterday's episode. I was listening back to it, and God, man, I got mad. I was like, I need to recalibrate. I need to pick some funner stories for the next one. Because, uh, yeah, 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 I just kind of started to get really upset. So, I, I'm and I'm happy with that. Oh, and I have to say that, yes, I've talked a lot about my music. That was one of the songs. That song, Dead World, is about 10 years old. I recorded that probably back in 2009. The audio samples are from Dawn of the Dead. But I really like that song, and I figured it was a good way to start off Halloween month. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. I do want to start this episode off with an an actual email. This isn't a listener mail segment. This is an actual email I got from someone named Josh, and it was in reference to meth immortality. He had another theory on the whole idea of, you know, I said the conspiracy theory of meth immortality is if you charge the crystals, it can give you healing power, whatever it was. It was, you know, I don't, again, I have to keep saying this, I don't believe you can actually charge your meth crystals with healing energy. But this is what uh, this young man wrote. As a final note, I enjoyed your podcast on meth immortality, but I wanted to tell you about another variation of that myth that I heard, except it was about heroin and not meth. I'm paraphrasing from memory here, but the general idea is this. When people get old and die of natural causes, they die because they don't really have a strong motivation or reason to live anymore. There's nothing that's requiring them to stay alive. They're generally at peace or so taken by dementia that they're not really even aware of what's going on anymore. Heroin, as the rumor goes, gives the body a strong reason to keep going because the need to satiate itself on the drug is that strong. I understand that Philip Seymour Hoffman, before he died, may have bought into this myth. Apparently, quite a few heroin addicts think that heroin actually makes them live longer. They believe that the need for it is so strong that it can actually ward off death, maybe not forever, but at least for a while. I think it's a variation of another myth where some men, when they stop working, die shortly after. Again, the theme here is that the people who don't have anything to live for don't live much longer than their purpose. So I wanted to share share that with you guys. I think that actually is a very valid alternative theory to meth immortality, where that conspiracy could have come from. That, like he said, the need for the drug keeps the body alive to get more of the drug. So thanks, Josh. Thanks for that email and for that alternative theory. Now, I want to start the episode off with the story of Colonia Dignidad. Now, quite possible that I'm mispronouncing that. What it, It's basically like Dignity Colony. 
It is in Chile, in the South American country of Chile. There is a Bavarian town with all of the trappings, like the little roofs and, I don't know, the gingerbread walls and the, the women wear the traditional dresses and the men wear the traditional garb. And it almost looked like you were walking through the jungle and then you stumbled upon this German town. And it's a real place. This isn't like the Invisible City or Dublin, Wisconsin. It's still there. You can actually visit it today. What makes it interesting, other than the fact that it seems like a, an entire town was teleported from one part of the globe to the other, is why it was founded and who founded it. Now, back in the 1960s, it was founded, and it was founded by a guy named Peter Schaefer. He was a German citizen who fought during World War II. Well, he didn't really fight during World War II. He wanted to fight during World War II for the for the German government. He wanted to become a member of the SS with the Nazis. One problem, though, he was missing one of his eyeballs. Now, after the war, he told people, I lost my eye because I did serve. I lost my eye in battle. What really happened was when he was a kid, his shoelaces were tied so tight that he got a fork to like wedge into the shoelace to force it out. And he pulled on it so hard it slipped and he stuck himself in his own eyeball. Lost the eye. I would tell people I lost it in the war too. Probably tell them I lost it for the Allies rather than the Axis. But, you know, you kind of have to deal the cards you're dealt. So after the, after the war that he didn't fight in, he began kind of like getting into ministry youth group stuff. And that, that didn't go so well. There were some complications there. And then he decided, you know what? I'm going to just be like a traveling minister. And he started to gather up this following. He's a very charismatic person, even though he's missing an eye. He had a glass eye. I don't know why missing an eye would make you less charismatic, but he had a glass eye. He was I'm really fixated on the eye just because the way he lost it. But So anyways, he's going around. He's kind of walking from town to town. He gets this gathering of people, and, and he says, you know what? Followers, we need to go to a country and start our own town. It has nothing to do with the allegations that <laughs> happened at my previous church or the allegations that are happening now. Let's go to Chile and form a new town. Now, his people were in thrall of him. They said, like, he basically, like, when he spoke, he, he was just gave you such light and such hope. So he packs up his followers. I think there's like 250 of them. They go to Chile and they form this town, Colonial Dignidad. Let's jump ahead a little bit, a couple years here. And I want you to get a view of what Paul Schaefer was like. And also, wasn't Paul Schaefer? I must be pronouncing his name wrong because I'm pretty sure Paul Schaefer was the band leader from the David Letterman show. But no, his name actually is Paul Schaefer. So, hey, so this is, uh, I'm just jumping in real quick. His <laughs> name. His name is not Paul Schaefer. It's Peter Schaefer. I, at some point in the episode, started calling him Paul Schaefer. It's not Paul, it's Peter. But it's just way too much trouble to re-edit the episode. <laughs> so you're just going to have to imagine the band leader from the David Letterman show committing the atrocities that are going to unfold the rest of this episode. Enjoy. Okay, actually, I just looked it up. His 
His name is Paul Schaefer. I referred to him earlier erroneously as Peter Schaefer. Peter Schaefer is a Jewish scholar who I've now labeled as a man who not only fought for the Nazis, but poked his own eyeball out with a fork. I I had notes for this episode. I had highly detailed notes for this episode. Sorry, Peter. The episode will continue. Paul Schaefer takes everyone over to Chile. Now we're going to cu- jump ahead a couple of years. Because I think this story kind of sums it up. The kids of the little village love two things. Their spiritual leader, Paul Schaefer, and Santa Claus. Because what kid doesn't love Santa Claus? So one, one day, like a day or two before Christmas... Paul Schaefer gathers up all the kids from the colony and says, we are going to go see Santa Claus. So they're like, oh, right, we're going to go see Santa Claus. And they walk with their spiritual leader, like the leader of their town. He's the everything to them. The only person more important in the world than Santa Claus. And they walk down to the river. And Paul Schaefer goes, look, 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 kids, there he is. And I'm assuming he's saying it in German, but... There's like a raft coming down the river, and it's Santa Claus. Santa, full red suit, white beard, hat, is coming in a raft down the river. And the kids are like, oh my god, they start cheering. Paul Schaefer then pulls a gun out of his pocket and shoots Santa Claus, who then tumbles into the raging rapids and disappears. From then on, only Paul Schaefer's birthday was celebrated in the town. It was the only holiday. Now, just, I gotta let you guys know, Santa Claus didn't actually die. He had another member of his group, another adult, say, hey, I'm gonna shoot at you, I just want you to jump into the river and pretend that their childhood hero is dying. And the guy's like, yeah, sure, no problem. But basically, they saw their spiritual leader kill Santa Claus. He had, Paul Schaefer was basically a control freak. He had, it was this religious cult that he had founded and again people never really think it's a cult when they start it but he encouraged people to spy on each other which is a sign of a cult he limited their sexual activities which is a big sign of a cult if you wanted to get married you had to get his permission and the guy would come up and say you know i'm really in love with sally down at the mill can you can do i have permission to marry her and paul schaefer would go you have permission to marry Debbie. And Debbie is 80 years old. So if you want to get married, that's the only woman you can marry. And so the guy would be like, Ugh. He would choose who you could end up with, and he would be a dick about it. He would not give you the person that you wanted. Now, they supported themselves because they had, like, mills, and they made, like, traditional Bavarian foods, and they sold it to local towns. They also had a world-class, or I should say a first-class hospital in their town, And they got state subsidies from the government of Chile because they treated the people, the poor people who lived around the colony. The poor people loved the place. They're like, all these super nice Germans are here. And Chile and Germany actually had really close ties throughout the war and beyond. But rumors started to leak out. People started to escape. And as his name was getting linked to this group, the allegations that drove him from the church, that drove him from Germany, sprang back up. He's a child molester. 
So when he first, after the war, when he started, when he got with the church and was like a youth minister type of thing, he was molesting boys. So they kicked him out. And then he went from town to town and built up his own congregation. And during that time, allegations of him molesting boys were popping up. And he's like, I got to get out of the country. So he goes to Chile. Now, he doesn't change his ways over there. Boys in his own compound and local boys as well would come there because the boys would come there to learn this great education from the Germans. They'd come there to go to the hospital. He would molest them. He had his own team of young men he called sprinters. Their job was to run from one end of the... It was like 4,000 acres or something, or maybe 400 acres. I know that's a big difference, but it was this massive area, miles and miles and miles of land they had bought. Oh, and let me say, those kids, those sprinters that he was having run from one end of the compound to another... He said, you guys are the most important part of this. You guys are my communication network. Why don't you sleep in my bedroom? They'd be like, yes, that's totally awesome. And then he'd molest them. He's just a monster overall. So you go with all these allegations. How come he wasn't shut down? Well, this is where things get dark. So despite everything that's happened before, the reason why he didn't get shut down was he became fast allies with the new leader of the country, Augusta Pinochet. So in 1973, there was this junta, this military takeover of the country. And Pinochet, who's a world-class, basically, like he, his name's synonymous with war crimes and disappearances and things like that, a brutal police state. He all of a sudden, Pinochet takes over and he's completely paranoid that he's going to be overthrown himself. They start mass disappearances, mass cases of torture. We still don't really know the full extent of it. And when he takes over, Schaefer basically says, Hey, you, me, me, you, you need people to disappear and be tortured. I have a place in the middle of nowhere we can do that. So people just started getting shipped out to colonial Dignidad. And to this day, we don't know how many people were tortured and murdered there. We have accounts of people who were taken there and tortured. And then they were said, Ah, you're innocent or whatever. And they let him go. And to this day, they're still looking for mass graves, or really any graves. This all went on for years and years and years. And the people at the colony were, it's a cult, so they really didn't care. They'd see trucks of people come out and go into these underground, because the whole place had like a web of underground tunnels. Sometimes they'd come out, sometimes they wouldn't. What do you care? Your spiritual leader is telling you it's okay. So this started in 1961. The revolution took place in 1973. In 1996, finally, you had the changeover. Pinochet's gone. The allegations of the child molestation are finally reaching the right people because they saw this guy, Schaefer, was a ally of Pinochet. Now Pinochet's gone. They're, now the people are going to, to retaliate. They find out about Paul Schaefer. They find out about the allegations. They find out about the torture. The head police chief of the country was Luis Henriquez. He says, I'm going to take down Paul Schaefer. They show up. He's not there. Everyone's like, oh, he left a while ago. They do that 30 more times. Daytime raids, nighttime raids. The um, Enrique said, I think at some points we missed him by a matter of seconds. He goes, I think he was disappearing into the tunnel network, but they can never find him. They would just show up out of the blue. 
search the whole place. And at, at one point, Enri- Enrique said, we knew that he had left the country, but we kept doing raids because we wanted to gather more evidence to when we caught him to finally prosecute him. So they would go in and they'd be like, he's not here. And the cops would know he wasn't there, but they still wanted to go through the tunnels and find bones and do some forensic stuff. Finally, in the end, Paul Schaefer is an old man. Old, old man. I believe they caught him in Brazil. Him and some of his top lieutenants kicked down his door where he was sleeping. And they arrested him. He was just this frail old man, could barely comprehend what was going on. And then he died in prison, which is fitting, considering all the people that he tortured. Now, the colony is still there. The people who founded it still live there. It's a tourist attraction. They're actually trying to build a main road from... Because it used to just be like a private road that led up to it. They're trying to build a main road that you can take to come visit this beautiful, peaceful Bavarian city that may or may not have mass graves everywhere. So you could show up and have like this German pie and like go to Oktoberfest as like forensic detectives are like, excuse me, sir. And they're like have cadaver seeking dogs. It's bizarre. So yeah, colonial dignidad. I, there's a great article I'm linking in here. I got most of my info from one article. It's a great read. There's a bunch of stuff I left out. I really highly recommend reading it. The next story we're going to talk about here is one of particular interest of mine. So we talk about ghosts, talk about paranormal activity. And there are some people who are just like, I saw a ghost walking down the street. Or I opened my closet and there was a ghost there. And people go, oh, that's, I believe that. And then there are people who are like, I'm a medium. And I can sense the spirits. And I, I feel cold. All of a sudden, there's an evil spirit near me. And people go, oh, I believe that. And then there are people who go, oh, listen, I have this electronic device called a spirit box. And it randomly chooses radio stations and it allows ghosts to talk to us. And people go, I believe that. Now, generally, the person who will believe in the spirit box is the person who will believe in any of it. Same thing with the medium. If you believe that mediums can talk to ghosts, you automatically assume ghosts exist. So in that spectrum of people who enjoy paranormal, who believe that it exists, it doesn't matter what sort of... If someone's telling you a story that they saw ghosts, you will believe it. If someone's telling you, I have rigorously built this scientific device to detect ghosts, you'll believe it anyways. What I think is weird is that the scientific detection part is almost trying to be set up to convince skeptics. Like, look at this device I built. This has wires and batteries and a little display. Ergo, you should believe this, skeptic. How can I fake this EMF reading? How can I fake this connect, you know, video display thing? I can't. Therefore, you should believe it. I, I'm intrigued by the idea of EVPs. I've never heard one that I have felt was convincing in any way, shape, or form. Ever. I've never heard an EVP where I haven't thought, I'm only hearing it because I know what it's supposed to say. Or, that is very, very clearly not someone in the room. I think a lot of EVPs are faked. But the ones that aren't faked are just... You know, they walk into a room and they're like, who are you? Who are you? And it'll be like, down here. Down here. 
And they'll be like, brown hair? She says she had brown hair. And I'm like, no, I was saying down here. But it doesn't matter because if anyone gives you the answer to what it's supposed to be, that's all you're here after it. I don't understand the point of EVPs. I, it, it almost feels to me like it's two things. One, people who... F- okay, let, let, let me back up here a second. Let's say that you do believe in the paranormal. And you do believe there's mediums. But you know for sure you're not a medium. So you want to be part of the action So you invent a device, or you reconfigure an existing device, so you have the same abilities of a medium. I personally think mediums are frauds. I think it's a total fraud. So if somebody is saying, I can speak to ghosts when I put my hands to my head and I roll my eyes back and and all that stuff, I can talk to a ghost... I'm going to think right off the bat, if you're taking money for it in any way, shape, or form, you're a fraud. Absolutely. So I don't have a reason to say I want to build a box for me to also commit fraud. Does that make sense? Like, because I don't believe in that particular superpower, I don't feel left out. But let's say you did believe that that was an actual superpower, that they're Spider-Man. You want to be Iron Man. You want to build your suit. You want to use your technology to copy their skill. But I also, so that's part of it. But again, I think that the reason why people are so intent on proving that ghosts exist because see someone telling you a ghost story is not proof that ghosts exist that's that's proof that somebody experienced something that they can't explain or they made it up a medium saying i feel cold i feel soft fingertips against my neck again that's either you are having some sort of sensation that i can't explain or you're making it up But when you have an EVP device, when you have a recording of a voice, they hit play and they go, I didn't make, it's only me in the room, that doesn't sound like me, there's no way I could ever make that up, this is proof that ghosts exist, believe me. And again, a skeptic's going to say, no, it's easy to make that up, you could have made it up in post, and he's not saying that, he's saying, oh, and there's a car driving by, but you hear, ghost man ghost man you know so but people really push this evp meme they i it's evolved past the put radio in the room and hit record and walk away or ask questions what are you doing here making macaroni and cheese did you hear that did you hear that he's making macaroni and cheese now it's the spirit box and i've talked about that on a previous episode you hit this button and it randomly takes randomly tests out radio stations and picks out individual words that's a way a ghost can talk to you now they used to be able to write on mirrors if you remember in the old times when none of this existed you'd walk into your house and you'd see help me on a mirror during the 1900s in america it was it was spiritualism it was knocking rapping you'd walk into a house one knock for yes two knocks for no what are you making macaroni and cheese but in knock form I had macaroni and cheese for lunch. I was trying to figure out why I kept using that. So, but now those have fallen out of vogue, writing in a foggy Ouija. What's the difference between a Ouija board and a spirit box? The answer is, is Ouija boards have been, the scientists can go, well, that's an automatic response, a muscle response. They go, well, you can't fake this. You can't fake me hitting this button and it's random radio stations. First off, this is the use of a spirit box on the suicide bridge. And you have two paranormal researchers 
and they're playing with the spirit box. So you can kind of get an idea for that. And it will be interesting because the video itself has subtitles of what they're saying. So because I read the subtitles, it's stuff like, I'm a demon. Satan. Jump off the bridge. And it is like on your, on a visceral level, it is creepy. But again, what's the audience they're marketing to? If you just had someone on the bridge going, I hear a demon. And he's telling me to jump. I don't want to jump. Oh no, I hear Satan's name. A person who believes in that stuff anyways is going to go, oh my god, suicide bridge. I once saw a video where a medium was on the bridge. This is trying to be marketed towards people who are skeptical. Or people who need quote-unquote proof. But it's the most ridiculous proof. Because it's just random radio stations. The video's edited as well, which again kind of throws it out that for all I know they're waiting for five minutes for something to come across. So I would love, I would love to find, and if you guys know of really any, like, convincing, I'm not so much worried about the creepy aspects, convincing, non-faked EVPs, I'd love to hear them. I can't find any, and I've been looking for a long time. And I don't necessarily want them for proof, because I do believe in ghosts. I have my questions and doubts about a lot of aspects of them. But I believe in them as a general thing. And I believe that some people may be more, like, see ghosts more likely. We actually have an episode coming up on that in a couple days about gray spacing, TGA gray spacing, and it kind of plays into that. But I believe people may be more sensitive, but people who are actual mediums where they can, like, straight on telepathically commute and talk to the dead, I don't believe that. I don't believe that they can actually just, like, turn it on and off and talk to the dead like it's some sort of superpower. I think that they're, they're frauds and they're lying. And the same thing with this spirit box. It's simply a high-tech fraud, a high-tech lie, or just random words that you're stringing together. So you're going, Jason, why did you waste my time telling me that story and making me listen to that EVP? Because I have a very important in-segment here for you. Now, the video I showed you, the woman in that video is smoking hot. I mean... The can and, and and listen, whoever made the EVP video on Suicide Bridge, they knew exactly what they were doing. The EVP device is sitting down on like a table or, or like a bench or whatever. The camera is sitting next to it to get a good view, quote unquote, of the EVP device. And it's also exactly chest level with this amazing, amazingly hot chick. So she's standing there and she's like, Why did you jump off? The-? She's talking into the microphone. Why did you jump off the bridge? And you're just like, I'm not paying attention to anything but your amazing chest. It's complete. I mean, whoever. I don't think I would have even remembered the video because I watched so many EVP videos over the past couple days. She's gorgeous. And you're like, Jason, that's objectifying. And that's true. But the reason why I'm talking about this is young men out there, old men, whatever. You guys have heard of the red pill and the blue pill. So the blue pill, just a brief overview, is like you're basically like a beta male and you'll do whatever a girl does. You buy into the lies and the red pill is you finally awoken. The red pill is basically the dating equivalent of anti-cosmic Satanism. Where it's this completely overblown like, I know all women are terrible and blah 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 blah. I'm, I'm free of the game. I am here to introduce to you guys the boo pill. What's the boo pill? The boo pill is that women love paranormal stuff they love ghosts they love tarot readings they love magic they love all that stuff psychologically i don't know why they absolutely love it 
Take the boo pill. The boo pill is, is that if you start a paranormal group like this guy did, he found the hottest woman in whatever state he's in to go with him on a bridge in the middle of the night and talk into a broken radio. And she was having the time of her life. You want to take the boo pill? Forget all your skepticism. Buy a deck of tarot cards. But keep a couple of sparkly rocks in your pocket. Believe this stuff, dude. You you start a paranormal group, you will be drowning in hot chicks, dude. Take the boo pill. You depending on (laughs) obviously results may vary. However, I have gone out on many, many, many dates. And I say, hey, you want to go to the haunted forest? Hey, you want to go to this haunted house? Hey, you want to walk through the cemetery? Oh, yeah, totally. It's completely unusual, and chicks love it. They love it. It's adventurous. It's spooky. Girls love scary things. When you look at the opening results of big horror movies, the audience is almost always 50% girls. The slasher films tend to be more male audience, especially like Hatchet or the direct-to-video stuff. But when you look at horror movies released at the theater, it's almost always 50% women. People don't realize that. Like They're like, oh, those movies are just for like horny adolescent guys. That's why there's always chicks in them. No, there's chicks in them because girls go to the movie and they want someone to relate to. Take the boob pill and you will... I don't want to. I don't want to say I guarantee it, but I, I, I guarantee it. You will meet some awesome, crazy hot chicks. If you just say, you know what, I'm going to put all my skepticism aside. Maybe you don't have skepticism. You've just never taken the boo pill before. Start a paranormal club at your school. Put some flyers up around town. Now, of course, you're going to get some dudes, and that's okay because you're also going to make some good friends out of it. But you're going to meet some. Cr- Smoking hot girls. Smoking hot. I've now officially lost all of my female listeners, but hopefully they will be back tomorrow. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O'Carpenter. I think I'm going to get bombarded with, with either sexist comments or, dude, I took the boo pill. You're right. I expect both of those, actually. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Bye.